Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself continue our discussion on baptism, looking at the Great Commission. Welcome to Being Lutheran. I'm Pastor Brett Bowe, and I have with me today my buddies, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Rickey. And we make up the <laughs> we are the, yeah, right. the three, three Stooges, Stooges. <laughs> three Stooges, three amigos. Yeah, right. Yes, three something. Uh, <laughs> hey, and it's sunny outside. Yes, and uh, there's baseball. The eternal winter. Yeah. yeah, I watched regular season baseball this morning. It's the first day Lovely. of the tournament for which pray for Brian oh, because God I'm holding us. a cloud of guilt over his head for making his podcast on the opening day of the tournament. You're trying to anyway. Yeah. Uh, I will. I will put biting. it there. <laughs> oh, great basketball. Never heard of it. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Uh, but hey, I bet, listener, you probably can guess what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> like a broken Could record. It be? <laughs> Spin the wheel. There is, it lands on baptism. There oh. is a light at the end of the tunnel. Oh. It might be a freight train, but Praise there the is Lord. a light. We've got four more episodes of baptism for you. Not that we don't, I mean, we might be a little bit tired of talking about it, but. At the same point, I'm not, it's, it's I get worried. God's you know, I, you, yeah. know you, you, you spend this much time on a topic, but mm-hmm. it's interesting because Jason and I were just talking that the numbers of listeners have actually oh. increased. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, you know, if we aren't kind of finally addressing a topic that a lot mm-hmm. of people do and have shied away from. I know yeah, we've mentioned this in previous episodes mm-hmm. because it is controversial because we don't have full agreement in the body of Christ. And it's not like the Nicene Creed stuff, you know, where we, we can say, oh, yeah, yeah, we got that, we got that. But then when it comes to mm-hmm. infant baptism versus, you know, more of a Baptist view of that, yeah, you know, people just don't want to talk about it because they don't want to rock the boat. But I think that in our society, I think we have to relearn what it is to have a healthy, honest discourse, even in the midst of non-agreement. Yeah. And do it in yeah. a respectful, loving way. Mm-hmm. I believe that we've done that. And I think that anytime yeah. yep. you enter into that, I think there's a, a beauty in it yep. to be able to express what you believe to a brother or sister who doesn't believe what you believe, but yet the right hand of fellowship remains. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and, and this came out of a conversation I had not, had last night at uh, Brett's church. I was there Ooh, for Lent. Uh, no, Brett and I and Pastor Rob Edwards are rotating this year for Lent, yeah. doing a series on the seven marks of the church. I'm they a little did, bit, they didn't want me. I'm yeah. a little bit well, nervous about... you already about, said you were busy. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm is just this, trying to get some this, pity uh, from the audience. <laughs> is this going to be okay to share? No, oh, I'm yeah, just kidding. It's okay. well, it's, it's, <laughs> they were telling me what a terrible pastor they have. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, we were yeah. talking about baptism and how most yeah. people have haven't heard mm-hmm. baptism taught at length or preached at length. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that popped into my head that I think I'm really going to start thinking about more is it takes zero investment mm-hmm. whatsoever to talk about what you don't believe in. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it's easy. I can tell you all of the things I don't believe in without even really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But there is something that is both appealing and refreshing yeah. about talking what you do believe yep. in. It's it's a vulnerable thing. You expose right. yourself uh, to criticism from the truth. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, anything we say about baptism, it is a full invitation to our entire listenership to take what we're saying, compare it to scripture and to bounce back with us. Amen. Uh, bounce back to us with questions. And uh, on the one hand, it, that's Jason happening. Gunham, no, just well, it's add, happening. You, no. <laughs> uh, and thank you for those who have yeah, had questions. Yes. I've had several yeah. questions. Yeah. We've, we've been rotating. I'm currently talking in an email conversation with a gentleman from Ireland mm-hmm. who has awesome. questions. And, and that's, you know awesome. Uh, But the other thing is uh, how many people out there, especially in different denominations, have not been equipped Mm -hmm. to talk about what they do believe about baptism. You know, it's, well, I don't baptize babies or I don't think baptism saves you or or any that. Great. That zero impact. uh, And that took you nothing to say. Mm -hmm. But then the question is, what do you believe about baptism? And And it comes back to what we're trying to do is to present a positive teaching of, like what you were saying, Brian, of, you know, we're not trying to um, cause fights and we want to do it respectfully and share and present scripture. And I appreciate what you said, what you said too, Jason, about, hey, you know, when you listen to anybody, you need to go to the scripture and compare it. Be like the Berean Christians in Acts 17, you know, going back and examining the scriptures to see if these things are so. Yeah. Yeah. I think also that I do believe that there's an aspect of the Christian church, especially in America, that spends way too much time on what they're against versus stating what they're for. And um, I've run into that in in my ministry, you know, and uh, people want to hear what we're against more. And um, what we really need to be doing Mm -hmm. is following the footsteps of Christ and and just saying, you know, this is the word of God and this is what we preach. This is law and this is gospel. But, you know, as far as like trying to point out, well, was the last hurricane God's judgment on America? (laughs) Don't even waste your time to try to do eschatology or theology with a newspaper that becomes dangerous. But Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who make a living at that in in the Christian world. And I think it's tragic and I think it's wrong. Well, and, and the thing about all of this is, and thank you again to the White Horse Inn in advance for this, but knowing what you believe and why you believe it equips you to better and more gently respond to those who would criticize your beliefs. Yep. And that's the whole segue into how you started us off, Brian, is that, you know, it's the criticism, the disagreements out there don't need to be violent. Yeah. They don't need to be right. vitriolic, right. is we can have disagreement and still uh, have it be valuable disagreement and still have, mm-hmm. you know, the brotherhood and yep. the sisterhood that comes from being in the church. You can sharpen each other. Yeah, iron sharpens iron. And and we would hope that through this series as, you know, as in-depth and ad mm-hmm. infinitum as it might be. <laughs> really, we, it's not that long when you, I mean, 20 minutes an episode-ish. Yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it's quite an investment topically because normally we only spend about yeah. four episodes on a topic, but right. this is, yep. you know, we're in a unique section in the, in the catechism yeah. here. But we would hope at the very least, and we've mentioned this before, first of all, that you would come away from these episodes knowing exactly what the Lutheran position is mm-hmm. on baptism mm-hmm. and, and knowing that even if you disagree with our interpretation, mm-hmm. that that uh, teaching comes from scripture. It's not, you know, logically not, developed. Right, right. But not other, just a tradition. Yeah, uh, exactly. That. And the other mm-hmm. thing is, is if you disagree with us, we hoped it would help clarify what you believe, yep. that it would bring in the focus what you have been taught about baptism. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if that's what happens, praise God. Yeah. Amen. So most recently in, in last week's episode and, and the last few episodes, we've been walking through 
key passages in the Old Testament looking at baptism. And now we're going to turn our attention to the New Testament. And so this episode and the next few, we will have uh, episodes for you, listener, on certain New Testament passages dealing with baptism. And today we're going to be in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And I will read that text for us and we can launch into our first New Testament uh, episode. So Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." Amen. Amen. Yes. Vocation. No, great. Pra- yeah, well, <laughs> he got yeah. it in there right away. Absolutely. Yeah. Just had to Sweet. throw that in there. You know, yeah. we missed a couple episodes in this arc of baptism, so I'm glad yeah, we got yeah. this out of the way. We don't have to feel guilty or apologize sure. to people who are our official, unofficial uh, vocation counters. Right. But but you know, our we have the vocation of being a disciple maker yep. uh, here that comes to bear as as part of our Christian life or disciple being ourselves disciples of Jesus and seeking to disciple others. Yeah. And so that's, you know, maybe a place to start theologically speaking with the great commission, the command of Mm -hmm. the great commission is not to go. Right. That I, I have seen as a pastor and being in other areas of church work since I was 20, far too many curricula, that that's the starting place. You got to go. For decide yeah. go, you know, and it's uh, the... Is the glass as you are going? Well, it can be. It, it's, yeah. it's not technically great, mm-hmm. but for those of you grammar nerds out there, the finite verb in the Great Commission is make disciples, yeah. and the, it is surrounded by three participles, go and baptize yeah. and teach. Right. Now, the interesting thing in all of this is when uh, the Great Commission uh, is quoted, mm-hmm. often only verses 19 and 20 are quoted. Yeah. And that bugs me to no end. It's like <laughs> it's like people who only quote Romans 3.23 as a proof text yeah, right, without right. getting to verse 24. You miss exactly what's being said. Yeah, uh, the whole context. Yeah, you miss the whole context. At least when you quote the Great Commission, start with verse 18. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, you got to start with verse 16 yeah. because the real baseline context of this last, kind of the last words of Jesus before he ascends into heaven, at least in the Gospel of Matthew. Your mission, if you choose to. Yeah, your mission. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this message will self-destruct. That's not good theology. Uh the, the, the context, notice what is the response of the disciples in verse 16 and 17? Mm-hmm. Some doubted. Yeah. Now, now, just think about that for a second. Okay? What have these disciples been through for three years? Okay? They've seen the miracles of Jesus. Okay? Mm-hmm. Jesus raising at least two guys from the dead. Mm-hmm. That's pretty significant for telling who he is. Yeah, uh, it was <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> feeding of the 5,000, calming of the storm, walking on the water, mm-hmm. uh, casting out who knows how many demons, yeah, and then right, right. your own crucifixion and resurrection, mm-hmm. appearing to 500 people at one time, and here we are at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, yeah. and, and still the disciples doubt. Mm -hmm. Now, if we ignore that aspect of things, 
in the Great Commission, we are going to miss the point. And the Great Commission is automatically going to become a church strategy text. Mm -hmm. The Great Commission is not a church strategy text. Because after the context, after the setting there on the mountainside with the doubting disciples, Mm -hmm. and it's funny that Thomas gets all the flack Mm -hmm. for being doubting Thomas, and here it's the whole lot of them. What you have is that the actual Great Commission, the instructions that Jesus gives is bracketed first by his power and authority Mm -hmm. and then by his presence. Mm-hmm. So all authority in heaven and earth has been yeah. given to me. Right. And surely I will be with you yep. always to the very end of the age. A gospel sandwich, can you say that? <laughs> kind of. Well, it's yeah. a gospel sandwich. We're right back in the realm of divine monergism. Yep. Okay. We're what does that mean again? No, just kidding. Yeah. God alone works <laughs> yes, yes. to save. But then the method of making disciples mm-hmm. is that as you are going, yep. as we are out and about, you make disciples and the disciples are made by baptizing mm-hmm. and by teaching. Right. This is couched in the authority Mm -hmm. and in the presence presence. of Christ with his church. That's super encouraging. The baptizing is the work of God to make a disciple. The teaching is the work of God to make a disciple Mm -hmm. because we realize that even as the three of us and all other pastors preach and all our pastors teach the word of God, that it's the Holy Spirit who is active to create and sustain faith. Yes. You have to look at the Great Commission as a whole, otherwise you miss those elements. And again, it just becomes a, well, is our church Great Commissioning right now? And and the Great Commission as a uh, church growth strategy loses its teeth really quickly Mm -hmm. if you miss out on that. But I do think that in saying that, it is still important of this is what we need to be doing Mm -hmm. as a church. Um, yeah. It's it's something that is directly instituted by Christ. Right. You know, for for the church saying, oh, if Christ would only reveal a strategy to us. Well, we do have the strategy. Mm-hmm. But if we look at it merely as a strategy, our focus becomes to what are we doing? Mm-hmm. How are we doing it? And are we successful? Rather than in this strategy, the church's focus in each individual Christian's focus on making disciples, that whole command, that whole mission is based on Christ's power and authority mm-hmm. and Christ's presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing too, is as we get into this here, you know, some people might say, well, baptism is kind of like a secondary doctrine, you know, not as important. And, you know, we need to really focus on, on other things, you know, the faith in Jesus as being central. Um, but you know what, you, Brian, I want you to chime in here too of, um, Baptism is part of the Great Commission. <laughs> I mean, that it's very important. It's mm-hmm. it is, it should be one of those one of the parts of the primary doctrines. Absolutely, it needs to be fully addressed as it is the gospel. Um, it's mm-hmm. the presentation of it. It's funny we just went through the sacraments in confirmation last night, and just how um, the Word of God, as we describe, is the primary means uh, of grace by which God saves. And um, the preaching of the word and the present, the presence of the sacraments within um, the church service are, are the utmost important. Uh, the thing that we fail to sometimes really take, uh, I guess, seriously or maybe to heart is that the two sacraments are these wonderful vehicles of grace. They're means of grace. Mm-hmm. And it's another way of delivering the word of God, which is the primary means mm-hmm. of salvation. And... Um, I think that was a lot of times we've kind of, you know, 
you're preaching through the marks of the church, and as mm-hmm. you talked about baptism last night and at the Lent service, and I'm sure someone else mm-hmm. is preaching on communion and, well, and, and the other yeah. things. Uh, but you know, the reality is is that it really comes back to the Word of God and the Gospel, and mm-hmm. and that's and, and, and yeah, in this right. text, <laughs> and in this text, they are inextricably intertwined. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I think too, as as we think about this, we actually as Lutherans have a built-in response to the critics of infant baptism mm-hmm. and and the proponents of credo baptism, yeah. uh, because our next passage that we're going to study is Acts two thirty-eight and thirty-nine, yeah. and much has been made in criticizing the Lutheran doctrine of baptism of the word order in Acts two. 38 and 39, mm-hmm. repent, and then, that's yeah, read into right. that, be baptized, right. right? And so, a baby can't repent, and so there's something significant about that. Well, if we're going to allow that argument to stand, mm-hmm. this, get, this inverts that entirely yeah, baptize here. Baptize and teach. Yeah. Baptize and then teach, yeah, right? If right. it can be done in one, it can be done in the other, and I sure. think the word order here is significant. Yep. Baptize and teach, where right. it, it has been, uh, historically speaking, in mm-hmm. the church for 2,000 years, mm-hmm. that your exposure to the word of God mm-hmm. is first through the sacrament of baptism mm-hmm. and then through the preaching and teaching yeah. of Christ's word yeah. uh, as you grow into the mm-hmm. faith. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I'm doing an infant baptism, I often say, I often touch on this text and say, this is the starting point of this person being a disciple. God mm-hmm. is beginning his work in this this baby and the work of disciple making doesn't end there, but it's it's a great beginning, gospel beginning. And even the teaching, which maybe we would think of as more law, you know, that's maybe how the evangelical church, greater evangelical church will look at it as you're saved by a gospel, then you need to get down to the business of the law. Even the teaching, there's law and gospel over the course of our life as a disciple of Jesus. And I think that's that's maybe what's been missing a little bit in our Lutheran uh, churches through the years is we we bring the babies to the waters of baptism, but then we don't continue on with the teaching, both law and gospel uh, from there. Well, it, it, again, it's that law and gospel, not law, then gospel, right. and not yep. law yep. or gospel. And, yep. and really, again, if we go back to the context of what's being said here about you know, disciple making and with baptism as that mm-hmm. context, uh, that Christ's power and his presence work both. Mm-hmm. That they keep us accountable under the law to be doing these things at the church. The church, uh, it, it seems, especially in the 20th and 21st century, is so prone to being distracted that we are mm-hmm. often doing everything but making disciples. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we have the gospel promise that it is Christ's power and presence that have indeed saved us. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's what we can look at from from both angles. There mm-hmm. is that this is something that Christ is serious about to the point that he's commanded it to the church, but he's also so serious about it that he has put it on his own reputation, mm-hmm. his own power, and his own presence that the church would keep growing. And and I really think the connection here for us from a catechism perspective is that this takes us back to the second or third petition of the Lord's Prayer, where God's kingdom comes on its own, mm-hmm. but we ask that it would come among us. And the ways that God's kingdom comes among us is through the preaching of his word Mm -hmm. and through the administration of his sacraments. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's that's so important. And, and, you know, in our day, you know, disciple making is kind of one of those buzzwords out there in, in Christianity. And 
Uh, I love how you, what you just described is kind of a Lutheran view of discipleship, disciple making. Well, it's uh, I teach often at my church the job description of a pastor. I'm going to be doing it again this weekend as I preach on Ezekiel mm-hmm. uh, in the the Watchman passage, mm-hmm. and then God takes no delight in the death of the wicked. Yeah, but the the job description of a pastor is the easiest job description in the world to memorize. Preach the word administer the sacraments, Mm -hmm. shepherd the sheep. But then the second level to that is that the shepherding of the sheep is primarily accomplished through the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there's visitation and there's soul care on Mm -hmm. an individual level that's absolutely involved in pastoring. Mm -hmm. But if you're not preaching the word and if you are not effectively applying the word through the administration of the sacraments, Mm -hmm. that you're shepherding the sheep, they're going to be scattering all over the place. Mm -hmm. And, And it's, you know, an encouragement to pastors who are listening, this is your comfort as well as your mission, the mm-hmm. great commission to make disciples is wrapped up in word and sacrament ministry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how have you seen that worked out in, in your ministry, Brian, as you sought, have you, as you have been seeking to be a disciple-making Lutheran pastor? It's interesting how God kind of brings opportunities, you know, naturally. I know it's... um. I, you know, there's things that you can do, initiatives you can make, and and um, and activities that you can have that have an evangelistic and a discipleship motive. But I will honestly say that what I would consider um, the the true nuts and bolts part of discipleship happens, like I did earlier. I I, I went to lunch with a dad who's seeking to to become more of a spiritual leader in his home, and we just sat and talked about some some of the roadblocks he has in his life and some of those things. And it's just like doing life together. It's Mm -hmm. not this program or this event. It's actually just living life together. Kind of like Titus chapter two, the more mature teaching the the younger of both, both sexes, of course. And, and you're, you're doing this as part of your vocation, but you're doing it as the part of, of you. That's the priesthood of all believers, the the part Mm -hmm. of you that is just trying to come alongside each other to encourage each other, and that through the power of God's Word and through the fellowship that Christ created within the body of Christ, you become the person that God desires you to be through the transforming power of the gospel and the working of the Holy Spirit through that Word. And oftentimes it comes through those relationships. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it just happens by osmosis. You know, you just sit in the pew and you just soak it in, and that can happen. You can learn about God's Word. But there is something remarkable about walking alongside of someone through their life to to kind of get to the place where God wants them to be. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a little bit more mundane than a lot of people try to paint it oh. as. And it's it's no. it's more normal than we realize. Mm-hmm. You know, we always want to do big things for yeah, God. We right. want that exciting, dramatic thing. And yep. you know, just thinking about what you were said and saying and how it fits in to my pastoral ministry and to yours too, Brett, and mm-hmm. with the Great Commission. Uh, you know, often we're visiting people in their homes or I, I meet with several members of my congregation on a regular or semi-regular basis. One of the things I've started doing, uh, first of all, I stopped calling it pastoral counseling. Hmm. I've started calling it discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But I have made a requirement that for any sort of counseling or discipleship meeting that I have, at least once, 
at least once that person has to go through private confession and absolution with me. And after that, it's on a voluntary basis. I offer it every time, but I've only ever had it turned down twice now. And what you look at that, though, is that for most of the people I meet with, that confession and absolution has been the primary focus of our discipleship. And Luther teaches, in fact, in the small catechism, it is structured specifically so that confession and absolution fall under baptism. Mm -hmm. it's a, this is how your baptism has continued application for yeah. Yeah. discipleship. It's that continued repentance. It's mm -hmm. that continued application of the gospel. Yeah. And that's what it looks Amen. like as we participate in the ministry of making disciples. God mm -hmm. is the one making disciples. This right. is his work, but he has called us pastors as under shepherds mm -hmm. to continue that ministry. And it's a great blessing as, you know, the, it's always long gospel. Yeah. It's always God's word convicting us of sin and then, you know, causing us to have faith in the promises so that we are forgiven. And it's, mm -hmm. it's a miraculous thing to be a part of. And, and it's yeah. that, that part of my ministry is probably the most rewarding part of being a pastor yep. is seeing people comforted and assured by the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's, that's terrific. Amen. I think that's a good place to end this episode. And Brian, do you have any verses to share? I do. And I, I kind of mentioned this verse in, in, my last statement there, and I just mm -hmm. think it's appropriate as we think about discipleship uh, in light of baptism. Uh, but you are a chosen race, First uh, Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join us next week as we continue our New Testament study on baptism. God bless you and have a great week.